we encourage, you know, as part of as part of the change in the culture when companies, you know, really institute a PMP plan, is we encourage, you know, regular check-in meetings. Right, you should be formally meeting with your team every couple of weeks, at least once a month. You know, and there's a lot of informal meetings that go on, and that's 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 great. You know, we want those informal meetings. We want that constant communication, always open, day in and day out. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also encourage managers to to schedule time. Doesn't need to be you know hours. It's 20 minutes, but every couple of weeks or at least once a month, make sure you're calendaring, getting together, and having that check-in meeting, and just having that that back and forth dialogue. This week on the podcast, Brian Montez joins us to talk about performance reviews. Um, it's not always a topic that we want to talk about, but it's a topic that we need to talk about. Um, and he really dives into what these performance reviews should look like, how often should they occur, um, what questions should we be asking in them, um, and how, how do we be a better manager through them. So we will jump right in. Welcome to the podcast, Brian. Um, we are so excited to have you here today. Um, Brian Montez is a business coach who... Um, really helps people in a lot of different ways. Would you like to explain a little bit more about what you help them with and how you got involved in coaching to begin with? Sure. So, uh, you know, uh, thanks again for having me on. I really do appreciate it. Um, and the way we got into to working in this space actually goes back to the start of my career. So I started my career uh, with a Fortune 500 company, which we will remain nameless, but a big Fortune 500 company. And um, I wasn't even 30 years old yet when I started that career path. And after a couple of years of being in a sales role, an opportunity opened up uh, that allowed me to start taking over and learning the supply chain side of the business out of, out of Asia. So when the opportunity came, I said, yeah, this is great. I would love to take on that role and, and expand what I'm doing and, and learn global business. And so I figured working for a big Fortune 500 company, I was going to get all kinds of training and support and guidance and, and everything I needed to, to figure this out. Because uh, at that point in time, you know, I didn't have a whole lot of global business experience. Yeah. So I did not get that. What I got was a plane ticket to Taipei, a hotel reservation at the Hyatt Taipei, and a telephone number to call when I got there. Um, oh and at age 29, I had never been out of the country short of going to Vancouver, Canada once and Acapulco once. So it was quite an eye-opener. And I think, you know, going back to that story is when I started realizing the importance of you know, learning, training, development, and everything that we, we do now and why it's so important to try and set team members and employees up for success. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's uh, sort of the catalyst there. Yeah, very interesting. But that's great. I mean, it's not great that that happened to you, but it's also a great opportunity to like really learn and grow from that. And then people also can feel that in the same way. Um so a little side note for everyone, all the listeners out there, um, Brian sent me a kind of an outline of a roadmap that um, he helps implement into companies and organizations um, that really is your, almost your, uh, your like guideline to do this, correct, Brian? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Correct. So we are going to run through that um, and Brian will be able to give us a little bit more insights on what it is, how it works. Um, that way you guys can all understand how he coaches. Um, effectively, essentially. So do you want to give us like a brief understanding, I guess, of um, first off what the guidebook is, kind of a big overview, and then we can go through it? Sure, perfect. So, you know, on a day in and day out basis, you know, our objective is to build better work environments. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we partner with companies, both mid and larger in size, to handle a lot of different variety of HR and human capital um, projects. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we're often brought in to do is to start helping design 
create and implement a performance management plan. You know, we often talk to business owners and people in the executive suite, and there's a frustration of, well, gosh, there's no accountability, or, you know, how do we manage poor performance, or how do we manage good performance? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so without some type of system in place and a, a laser focus on it, um, it gets very difficult, and then everybody's not on the same page. So one of these projects that we often work on is developing these continuous these continuous performance management plans and, and design them and help implement them um, so that these organizations have a roadmap in which to work with and, and a framework. Yeah, awesome. That That's wonderful. Well, I guess we'll jump right in then because you kind of segued right into it. Um, so the first point on his roadmap is the introduction to this performance management um, perf- what is it again? Performance management. Performance management plan. Yeah. Performance, performance management plan. plan. Yes. And his first point is the death of the annual review, which I just love. <laughs> I don't. I don't know about you, but I love it. Um, I really agree with that. Can you speak more to this whole introduction of this plan and what this looks like um, for those companies that you're working with? Sure. And it always starts with introducing it because so many uh, people don't even think about you know, setting up a program such as a performance management plan. So they, they don't even have a, a terminology for it. Yeah. So we start just with that introductory conversation and, and we start asking a lot of questions about what they're doing today. Cause they may be doing some things today that actually work. And, and we certainly don't want them to migrate away from those. We want to include those in the plan as we move forward. So we always start with that due diligence conversation and just making sure we understand what's going on. Um, and we're always, I guess I'm no longer surprised to find out that, oh, yes, well, we, we do the annual reviews. That's our performance plan. And so my response to that is always, okay, so let me get this straight. You wait for 12 months to tell a team member that in month two, they were making a lot of errors and mistakes. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> so, you know, wait, waiting a full year to tell somebody that they're doing good or bad, you know, the no feedback at all. So it's just it's very surprising how many organizations still do the annual review and think it's perfectly acceptable to not give any feedback, good or bad, right? Employees don't know that they're doing good either. So yeah. they're, they're sitting in the dark wondering, how am I doing? So we really encourage that annual review to just be thrown out the window. It, it does not add value. Yeah, absolutely. And that being said, the next point on there is having consistent and valid feedback. And that goes right hand in hand with the whole getting rid of just that one time feedback loop. You need to have it multiple times of multiple times a month, let alone multiple times a year. Um, Yeah, I completely agree with that. Do you have anything to say on that? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right about that. And we encourage, you know, as part of, as part of the change in the culture, when companies, you know, really institute a PMP plan is we encourage, you know, regular check-in meetings, Right. You should be formally meeting with your team every couple of weeks, at least once a month. You know, and there's a lot of informal meetings that go on, and that, that's, that's great. You know, we want those informal meetings. We want that constant communication always open day in and day out. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also encourage managers to, to schedule time. It doesn't need to be you know, hours. It's 20 minutes. But every couple of weeks or at least once a month, make sure you're calendaring, getting together, and having that check-in meeting and just having that, that back-and-forth dialogue. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then uh, that being said, you just mentioned it right there—the process behind the, the the meetings and the the feedback and the constantness of it. Correct? Absolutely, yeah. Because they're they're they should be they, these check-in meetings and these conversations should always be collaborative. You know that that team member should be able to give their manager feedback as well. Hey, I need this in order to do my job. You know, we had a client just a couple of weeks ago where you know that check-in meeting occurred. 
And, and the, the team member brought up the fact that in six months that, since he had started, uh, his job had completely changed because he was very good at what he did. The, uh, the owners of the company trusted him. They continued to give him more and more work. And so what he was doing today was not what he was hired to do originally, which was a good thing. He was happy about it, but he's like, you know, what am I going to be graded on as we move forward? So that's why it's so important to have this dialogue. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so then moving forward, can you tell us some of those positive impacts of creating this plan? Um, and what does that look like? And what are things that we should probably avoid when we're creating this plan? Great question. There are definitely some, some practices out there and, you know, reviews that have been designed that create a rating system, uh, one through five, you know, any type of rating system. And we really don't see those being helpful, um, you know, because employees end up talking about their, their feedback and their reviews. And all of a sudden you get a conversation around ratings and, you know, one, one team member says, well, I got a three on this. Another one's like, well, I got a six. And so the, the ratings really don't help the overall process. So we, we don't like to design performance reviews that include that. Um, the other positive impact of a performance management system is when there's a lack of feedback, when, when organizations are not actively managing the performance of their team and there's a lack of feedback, it does create disengagement. Um, people start to wonder, you know, am I doing good? Am I doing bad? I'm not hearing anything. So I'm just going to kind of keep muddling along here. Um, you know, and if they start to think that they're not doing good, because as human beings, you know, if we don't have facts and we don't have clarity by design, we fill the dots in, you know, we, we, we craft our own story. We fill in the blanks. It's just what we do. We all do it. And so if people start filling in the blanks and start filling in the blanks the wrong way, you know, you're going to have decreased morale, decreased productivity. You might have an increase in mistakes. Um, you know, there's a whole catalyst of events that can occur if we're not constantly creating feedback in that environment. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I totally agree with that. I think that's really valuable and important. And that feedback loop, like you said, again, is so incredibly important for employee engagement, um, helping them understand where they are. Um, you should always know where you are in, or in an organization, in my opinion. Um, so that is the perfect way to do it, in my opinion. And I assume you would agree, too. Um, <laughs> well, also, thank you. Yeah. 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 So um, do you want to talk a little bit more about, like, the benefits of what this looks like from the employee perspective, from the manager perspective, and maybe even from the company perspective? Sure. Okay. So let's talk about from the employee perspective first. Mm -hmm. Setting expectations is very important. Mm -hmm. You know, we need to know what's expected of us and what defines success. Because if we don't know, we don't know what we're working towards. Yeah. So, you know, it's very frustrating to be in a role where you really don't understand what is success. You know, am I accomplishing what I'm supposed to be accomplishing? Um, you know, am I, am I meeting the expectations? So it's really important that um, those expectations are defined. So, and that's a huge benefit. And, and team members like to know that. Um, and this way they also know what success looks like. They, they know what they're working towards um, and they, they know what that vision is. And, you know, usually once those pillars are in place, right, knowing the expectations, knowing what success likes, success is like, knowing what those milestones are, getting, you know, constantly, you know, having those open conversations about where things stand, you know, typically you're going to feel a little bit better about, about the job and about the organization as well. Um, 
you know, you're going to, you're going to have a better feeling about the environment that you're in. And you know that, you know, you are making an impact because at the end of the day, people want to make a positive impact. They want to, they want to go to work to do a good job. So, but they need to know that that's being, that the perception of what they feel and perception of what the organization feels is aligned. So, so that's definitely from the employee's perspective, Um, from the manager's supervisor leadership perspective. um, it gives them additional insight when they're actively engaged in the performance management side of their team. Meaning that when you're constantly reviewing and having conversations and looking at results, you get a better understanding of who needs more training. You know, a great example is yesterday I was chatting with an operations supervisor and and, she has a brand new uh, warehouse supervisor that just started. He's about three weeks in. And so her and I sat down yesterday to review uh, how he's doing in the first three weeks and, you know, very, very positive overall, but she's identified that he has a few leadership skills gaps, mm. which is not a problem. So, you know, she went in and identified those and, and now we're going to work on closing those skills gaps. We're going to bring in the required leadership training that's needed for the new warehouse supervisor. So we can close those skills gaps. Yeah. So if, so, so if she wasn't constantly, you know, working with him over these past few weeks and having these conversations and, working with him directly, she wouldn't have seen those skills gaps and she wouldn't have been able to identify them. And, you know, we don't know how long it would have taken before it was identified. So it gives managers insight on who needs more training and development. Awesome. That's so beneficial. Yeah. And then a couple of the other key areas for managers is, you know, it also tells them who they, who they need to reward, right? I mean, we need to be paying attention to, to, you know, who's hitting those performance management criteria, you know, who's, you know, really your A players, you know, because we have to work really hard to reward those people and, and do some creative things. Um, you know, we know that compensation is definitely very important, um, but we also know that team members are looking, you know, they look beyond compensation a lot of the times. Um, you know, they want that recognition. They deserve that recognition. Um, so we want to make sure that we, we know, you know, who needs to be acknowledged, rewarded, and, and build programs around that. Um, you know, and then the other thing that this does is it creates clarification because at the end of the day, a performance management plan, it should directly tie to the organizational goals. So if the organization, you know, takes the time to write a, a one, three, and a five-year strategic plan and they've got organizational goals for their growth, you know, clarifying, you know, how performance management is going to be managed and how, how it's going to develop, uh, you know, should directly tie into the revenue sales goals you know, EBITDA goals of the company. So, yeah. and then of course, you know, managers should see a, an increase in employee engagement um, yeah. because of that feedback loop. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if I were to go and build one of these, what would that look like? So the down and dirty version of, of how we, how we build these is um, you start, you start by setting the expectations. You know, you, you, you take a look at, um, all of the, the job descriptions that are in place because those are a tool. So you're looking at all the different tool sets that are required and you have to determine what are those expectations that are required for each role. Um, Cause every role is going to be a little bit different. So the, that initial step is a lot of conversations, a lot of interviewing, right? We want to get information from the management team. We want to get information from the team members side, right? Because everybody's perception is sometimes a little bit different. So we want to gather all that information so we can figure out what are the expectations that need to be set by role, by person, you know, by job description, um, you know, and the employees absolutely need to be included in setting those expectation conversations as well. Um, because if they're included in setting those conversations and setting those expectations, 
there's a bit of ownership there and they're involved in the process. And I think it's very important that we include them in that process. And, you know, once those expectations are, are mapped out, then at that point, it is a whole process of, you know, we have to start training people on how to, how to run the performance management system. And, and we have to start building the tools and resources, meaning we'll write, you know, customized reviews. Um, and we start, you know, we start building the tools and resources that are required for that specific company. Um, and then we also encourage that they start establishing their check-in meetings and get that onto a regular cycle, calendar cycle. Um, you know, and we encourage and train on, on an open door policy, you know, that employees and team members can have conversations at any point in time. You know, they don't need to wait for their check-in conversation. If something comes up, they should be able to, you know, pop in and, and talk with their manager and um, know that it's, it's, there's not going to be repercussions for doing that. Um, and then we want to train and develop and build a culture of intentional feedback and coaching. You know, the, the, the area of the challenge we see here with the, the feedback and coaching is that, you know, most people by design, they don't want to hurt other people's feelings. They don't, they don't want to have to say negative stuff. So they avoid the hard conversations. And, you know, when you're going to get into a management role, you've got to be, it's not fair to your team if you're not willing to have the hard conversations. Yeah. So, if, you know, if you're going to step into that role, you have to be willing to have hard conversations. So we, we do a lot of training and coaching and, and work towards that. And then, uh, you know, of course, we take a look at, at as the performance management plan rolls out, where, you know, we're 90 days in, 120 days in, you know, then we want to start looking at, you know, who's, who's doing well and who needs some course correction so that we can start drilling down on the team and, and you know, really making that performance management plan work for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. That that's a great overview of how that looks. I mean, it's a very big picture, but it it dives deep into all those nitty gritties that you definitely need to have as a manager to be successful. Um, so then, how would you say? Obviously, <laughs> you can build out this plan and like start it, and I'm sure that some people fail at it because we're all human and we all struggle in some type of area. Um, so, what would a person that's trying to roll this out look for? Um, in terms of having a successful one, um, because we want to set people up for success. What would that look like? Sure. So I think in terms of defining the success, it's going to come from a couple of areas. It's going to come from your employee feedback as one area. Your employees are going to tell you whether or not it's working or not. Mm -hmm. um, so they're going to be a big voice in letting you know what's working and not working. Then the other pillar that's going to tell you whether or not it's working is, you know, we're going to look to tie the performance management into certain KPIs or criteria, key performance indicators. So, you know, take a customer service team, for example, you know, you're, you want to performance manage your team, but there's got to be some very direct results that occur from that. You know, so KPIs you could set would be that they answer every chat call, that, every chat that comes in within less than 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. or they respond to every inbound email inquiry within four hours. So, you know, whatever those KPIs look like, right? Because those are direct organizational goals. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're managing performance directly tied to your organizational goals, which in the end, if you're achieving those organizational goals, in theory, you should be moving your organization forward, right? If customer service is able to achieve those KPIs, then your customer service experience, your, your customer's experience should be increasing. Mm -hmm. So um, that's how you're looking and measuring success. Yeah, for sure. And I'm sure that 
and within that you're setting expectations obviously within those KPIs. Um, yeah, through mutual understanding obviously and then through anything else would you say? And how, I guess, how would you set those expectations then to begin with? I'm sure some people push back on this a little bit um, because it is probably a new way of thinking, but how, how do you approach mm -hmm. that? Well, the way you approach it, you have to approach things from the aspect of what's in it for them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if, if you come at it from the aspect of, hey, this is what's best for the company, probably won't be as received as well. Mm -hmm. You know, we always want to look at and be in the other person's shoes and take it from their perspective. Yeah. So when we sit down to roll this out, um, we definitely take it from the position of, look, this is, this is what we're looking at, and this is why. And this is how it's going to benefit you. It's going to benefit you because of this, this, and this. And it could be you know, that we have been able to tie a bonus program into those KPIs. Mm -hmm. right? We may be able to tie other rewards into it. Right? So, so you build that reward system for hitting those KPIs. And, you know, now all of a sudden it's, it's a benefit to that team member to say, okay, I understand now, you know, what I will get out of this if I'm hitting this information or if I'm hitting these, these metrics. So that's really how we present it is we look at it from their perspective and make sure that they understand that it's definitely being designed to help them. Yeah. Do you want to give us an example of how you've developed one of these out and how it has helped a company? Sure. So we've got a, a client that is in the e-commerce space. They manufacture and sell a consumer health product, and it's a, it's a fairly high-ticket item. It sells anywhere, depending on what model you buy, it sells anywhere from $1,000 to a $6,000 product. Mm -hmm. So they're an e-commerce-based company, and they have an inside sales team as well. So because of the size of the purchase, not everybody just goes onto the, the, the website and purchases right away. Sometimes they have a lot of questions. Yeah. So they, they want to talk to somebody. So the inside sales team was, was definitely the Achilles heel of the organization. And so, you know, we took a look at their revenue by channel and realized that the inside sales team one, you know, primarily at that time, it was a cost center, right? They weren't closing enough deals to be considered a revenue center. And so that had to change. Yeah. So, the first step we did was we, we talked with the inside sales teams and we want to get some clarity from their perspective. You know, do you understand your expectations? Do you understand, you know, how many deals you're supposed to close? Do you understand how you're supposed to respond to, to customers? Do you understand, you know, how you present this product? And there was definitely a lot of gray area in that. Um, they didn't have monthly sales quotas. They didn't understand. They didn't have, you know, fundamental scripts in which to start the process with, with their customers. So when new sales reps should come on, there was no formal training program or inbound training for them. So it was a little bit of trial by fire. Yeah. So we got all that information from them. Then we talked to management, got their perspective. And once we had all that due diligence, we took a step back and we redefined the inside sales role. And we did a couple of, of key things there is we started to establish how, what their sales revenue should be. And again, the sales revenue is a byproduct. It's the end result of all the other work that has to be done. But we started with the end in mind and developed what, how much revenue should that department be bringing in as a specific sales channel. And once we had that, then we started to divide that and then drill down into that number um, per sales rep. Then from there, we expanded that metric a little bit further. So you had the, the overall sales quota. They were, you know, each month, they're supposed to hit X amount of, of sales per month. Um, but we also drilled that down a little bit further, and we built out some particular closing rates. 
And the other thing we included is in order to help increase the profitability of the overall organization, we developed and broke down the different SKUs that we wanted them to sell. So because some units are more profitable than others. So instead of, you know, their goal being, I just have to sell a hundred units. No, you're going to, your goal for the month is 40 units of A, 40 units of B and 20 units of C. So we actually developed a product mix for them, mm-hmm. which when we sat down to present that to them, we took it from their perspective on the higher ticket items, their commission was actually higher. So they make more money if they start closing deals on the higher ticket items. So that's how we presented it to them when we broke down the sales mix and that's how they received it. Well, I can make more money now. So we, we developed all of the KPIs that required. And then from there, you know, we, we brought in a, a, somebody that was, has a domain expertise in inside sales training, scripting and training. And we brought him in and he developed their sales scripts and he developed their training program so that we had a cohesive program for, for training the inside sales team. So we built the foundation of training that was required. We set all the expectations. This is what you have to, to sell each month. And from that, then we built the dashboards within their CRM system so that there was visibility each and every day. The sales team knew where they stood. This is where I'm at today. I've got 15 days left in the month. I got to get X amount of more deals done. And so, you know, we made sure that the data was visible and accessible to them at all times. And we rolled all of that out. And then from there, it was just a a matter of starting to actively manage it week in and week out. You know, the sales supervisor would have a kickoff meeting every Monday with her team. Every Friday, she'd do a wrap-up. Every Friday, she had to, to, you know, identify where her team, a particular sales rep might be having a, a training gap so we could shore that up. You know, and, and it's definitely, there's been uh, the results. It's actually, it's a, it's a pending case study for us because, um, you know, the sales team has really started to turn it around and we're starting to see some really good results um, from that team, as well as just an overall boost in their attitude and morale. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure that they are geeked about it now that they have some transparency. Um, <laughs> that would be a it's amazing what that does, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, my goodness. Um, so then that being said, I, I would like to go back on that annual review then, because this kind of correlates with that. How are you um, like redefining that? And what does that look like for the performance appraisal process? Even within the sales team, how, how are they taking this to the next step? That's a great question. So obviously, you know, we push everybody to, to eliminate that annual review. And, you know, bring it down to to a quarterly conversation. And at the end of the day, if the job has been done in between those quarterly conversations, that conversation is more of a recap um, because there should be no surprises in that conversation unless something, you know, just occurred in the last 24 to 48 hours. So, however, it it is still good and people still want, you know, the, the written record, if you will. So we still encourage that there's that quarterly review in writing so that, you know, which is also create your foundation in which to justify promotions or merit pay raises or things like that. So, you know, we want to see that quarterly review. And then what we also do is we design the performance review specific to the position. So what we don't want to see is one performance review for the entire company that is just boilerplate because expectations by, by role are different. So how can you have a boilerplate performance review when the positions themselves are not all the same? 
So we create performance reviews that are specific. So the inside sales team has their own performance review, separate from customer service, separate from accounting and finance, separate from the marketing department, separate from, you know, warehouse and order fulfillment. So we create those customized performance reviews. And then the third component to that is we want these discussions to be forward looking. Um, you know, it, it's looking back in the rearview mirror, you know, yes, okay, you know, work on this, correct that. But what we really want these quarterly conversations to be is, you know, where you're headed for the next quarter, what are your goals, you know, personally as a team member, what do you want to accomplish over the next 90 days? And, you know, so we really try to flip that performance review on its head and make it a forward-looking conversation. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then to, I guess, to go back to annual review then, oftentimes when we think of an annual review, we think of like corrective actions or what did I do wrong in the past year? Mm -hmm. So how, how are you yep. building that into, <laughs> filling that into these quarterly conversations or even that, that weekly, that monthly conversation that you're speaking of? Um, how do you do that? How do you help your clients do that? Another great question. So what, what, we, what we try and change the mindset on is, is not being afraid to have those tough conversations. So we do spend a lot of time coaching, you know, managers, you know, say, okay, I have to, this employee is doing this. How should I approach this? And so we do a lot of coaching around having those tough conversations and the way to, to frame it, the way to bring it up. And, you know, when we have to sit down, when I have to sit down and have those conversations, you know, we, we try to make them very non-confrontational. I ask a lot of questions because sometimes there's, there's reasons why it's happened and it's important for the manager and for us to understand, you know, the, the context around, you know, the situation um, and see, you know, see what the team member has to say. So, you know, so initially, you know, if you start seeing something that's a problem, you know, have that conversation. It, it doesn't need to be, you know, documented and, you know, you know, a write-up or anything like that. I mean, you want to keep it informal. You want to keep it positive and just, you know, look, you know, you've been coming in late for the past two weeks. You know, it's been well past an hour each day. You know, what's going on in your life? you know, get that context first and then, okay, you know, from that point, you know, can we start tightening this up? We really do need you to start getting here on time or, you know, whatever the issue is and give them a chance to start course correcting. And then if you continue to see the pattern, you know, then you, then you may have to start, you know, building that case, if you will. Um, you know, and at that point you, you do fall back on some of the traditional methodologies in which to manage it because, you know, if the employee is not meeting the standards, then, you know, you have no choice but to start documenting that um, if they're not able to course correct. And, you know, we always try to give and encourage that, you know, short of something egregious, um, you know, such as stealing from the company or something that's just absolutely, you know, egregious, um, you know, we give them a chance to course correct. We look for ways to train up. We make sure that there's nothing else we can be doing as an employer to fix the situation. Um, and of course, the last step is a, uh, you know, that performance improvement plan, you know, if we're really going down the wrong path, you know, we want to document, this is what's going on. Here are the facts to back it up. We want to make it a non-emotional discussion, right? It's got to be fact-based. You know, I just had a conversation with a client yesterday. It's a fish distribution company and I was talking with the production manager, the guy who's on the floor every day in where the cutters and everybody's working on the fish. Mm -hmm. And he was having challenges with his packaging team. And he said to me, you know, she's this particular packager. She's not, she's not meeting the criteria. I said, well, what does that mean? He goes, well, she just doesn't work fast enough. I said, okay, again, what does that mean? Do you have a metric or do you have some type of formula that tells you that she is not packaging fast enough against her peers? 
And he goes, well, no, I don't. I'm just kind of watching and I know. I said, okay, well, the problem with that is that it's subjective. Yeah. So what they're doing now is they're going to develop a, a, a program, a plan, and figure out what is a reasonable amount of pounds per hour that each packager should be able to package. Great. Yeah. You put that in place. Now we can manage this. Yeah, absolutely. And that goes right into the results side of things. I oftentimes when I think of a performance review or anything for that matter, there are little to no like results within that. We can talk all day long, but what are the actual things that we're getting out of this? Do you want to speak more to that? You already kind of have though, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, we can, start, we can touch on it again. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, a performance man, developing a performance management system should always tie to your organizational goals. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that's part of the expectations, right? This way the team knows what are we working to achieve, right? So, you know, now this packager, you know, now come Monday when we have everything flushed out, you know, she's going to understand that her objective is to package 250 to 300 pounds of fish you know, per shift. And that if she's able to achieve that, number one, she'll be eligible for, for performance bonuses. But number two, you know, the company can now make sure that it's delivering its orders on time all the time. And by ensuring now that the company is able to deliver its orders, it's going to get more business. It'll be able to grow, grow. It has a good reputation for delivering on time. So, you know, that's why it's just so important that we tie those organizational goals to, to each person's performance plan. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's so, so important. <laughs> um, it really is. Yeah, no, that's 100%. Like, that's something that we all need to focus on, um, being consistent and productive within these conversations. Um, so if you were to give advice to a trainer or manager or leader about how to get, get started in this and how to do this well, what would be a few things that you would say? So, you know, I think we, we have to take a look at being flexible. So it's, you know, we develop these plans and these strategies and we implement them, but they're not black and white. Um, you know, we live in a very fluid environment and we have to be able to work in the gray. So I always encourage be flexible, right? It's, it's not going it's, it's to, things are going to shift, things are going to change. Be open to that. So let's not be rigid about it. Um, you know, especially as we get feedback, we may make some tweaks and adjustments um, based on team member feedback or based on results. So the flexibility is critical. Uh, and we have to be, uh, you know, willing and able to adapt to different generations, right? We, it's a multi-generational workforce. And we need to take a look at that and, and, you know, understand sort of what drives not just the generation, but the individual. So because I, I hate to classify everybody by a generation, mm-hmm. um, you know, so I, I really encourage that besides adapting the generations, we also adapt to the people themselves, the individuals, if you will. Um, the other thing too is, is understanding your digital workflow changes. You know, a lot of companies are have embraced you know technology and and data and then you know all of these different systems, which is good. Um, but we also have to remember that sometimes that can be o- very overwhelming for certain people, and, and so just be be cognizant of that. Yeah. Um, you know, but definitely use your your technology and and whatnot. Uh, I also encourage you know as as you want to roll and build out a performance plan, you know. You, it's a, it, as a manager, you definitely want to be a strategist and a partner with HR, right? It's a, it's a collaborative effort. So there should be a lot of people at the table having this conversation and working on it. So it's definitely a collaborative effort. Um, you know, the managers are going to have to, they have to be willing to be communicators. So the more they communicate, the better it's going to work. 
Um, the analysis is critical, right? You have to look at the data that you're getting back to see if you're hitting your organizational goals. That's how you tie it back. So you've got to got to be willing to look at the analysis, look at the data, or have something that can compile it for you. But you know, being able to tie that back. And of course, always, you know, every leader needs to lead by example. So it's just, just critical. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's so, so important. And then also, how do we train these managers um, to, to really embrace this? Like I said before, sometimes people are a little offstandish to like new ideas, new, um, new business plans. How, how as a leader would we be training our middle managers to really accept this and like go full blown? We're excited about this. Another great question. Yes, it's just as much for the managers and the leadership team as it is for the team members themselves. So um, there's a variety of different uh, segments that we have to go through to start getting them ready. Um, and so we will we'll train them on how to set expectations, right? how to have the conversations about setting expectations. So, you know, we, we work through all of the framework on, on having that dialogue with the employees and documenting and crafting the expectations by role, by person. Um, and then we also work with them on how to have those collaborative performance talks. You know, at the end of the day, that it should be that conversation should be both people going back and forth. It should not be just the manager consuming the entire conversation because that is not productive. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I, I believe that too. You have to listen to your people. You can't just talk over them and talk over them. <laughs> you won't even understand them if you keep on talking. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, and then, of course, we, we work with them on you know, embracing those difficult conversations. It was really interesting. I, I, I had an eye-opener a couple of weeks ago because I was chatting with an employee at a client, and she had, had she'd made some pretty critical mistakes that cost the company money. And so I went ahead and brought them to her attention. And I, and I asked her, I said, have you gotten any of your feedback about any of this? And she goes, no. She goes, I've been here a year, and I haven't gotten feedback good, bad, or indifferent. I, I just hear nothing. So, but what I do notice is that, you know, when mistakes are made, management just finds another workaround for the problem. Mm. So it was really interesting because I took a step back and I started looking at the big picture of this company. I said, okay, so instead of having the tough conversations, when managers see a mistake is being made over and over, they don't address it with a team member. They just create some other type of workaround or solution that, you know, they hope will fix that Without, so they don't have to tell the employee that, hey, you know, this, this, you're making this mistake in your job. You know, what do we need to do to fix it? So a very interesting perspective I picked up a couple of weeks ago. So we definitely want to work on those difficult conversation um, strategies. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's pretty sad that that happened. <laughs> but I'm glad that you were able to solve that. Absolutely. Um, so I want to go back to the goals and the missions and the values of an organization, because I think that's one of the best parts about having these performance management processes in place. Um, do you want to speak on like how, if someone was confused about how to even begin creating these goals and values, oftentimes they're very like high-ended and um, mm -hmm. very lofty goals that people might not be able to reach. Um, can, can you speak to that a little bit and what that might look like for an organization trying to rebuild their goals and vision and mission? Yeah, that's another great question. So, you know, the importance of the, um, the value and the vision, vision and the mission, employees, you know, when, when that vision is created and it's a coherent vision, and if we can get everybody behind it or most people behind it, 
you know, employees will see a link between their work and that value and that vision. So, you know, we definitely, you know, are, are working towards making sure there's an alignment between what they're doing every day and that overarching vision of the company. Um, you know, and then the core values, that, that should be, that's a behavioral guideline issue. It, it's, it's how the company operates on a day-to-day basis and, and what those behaviors should be um, in terms of the company ethics, ethos, and everything that goes with that. And, you know, the vision is just that aspirational, it's that long-term goal of the organization, and then the mission statement is completely different. It's how you're going to get there, right? It's, it's sort of that short roadmap. Yeah. So what we want to do from there is we want to take those core values and turn them into part of those core competencies, right? So if, if, you're, if one of your core values is continuous learning, then, you know, we want to build that into a core competency within the team, right? We want that to be a, a requirement. If you want to work for us, you know, we value continuous improvement, continuous learning. We pay for continuous learning. Um, so part of that core competency, if you want to be successful here, is that you've got to be somebody that wants to, con- that wants to continue learning, right? You don't want to be stagnant. Otherwise, you won't be successful here. So, you know, we want to turn those core values into core competencies, um, you know, regularly discuss the, the, the nexus or the connection, between, you know, those, the tasks of the employee and the vision um, and make sure that there's, they understand that what they're doing day in and day out, right? The importance of responding to the customer chat within 30 seconds, how that task ties to the overarching vision of the company um, and just ensure that all the systems tie into the company culture. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And then going back that, that's the very high end of the side, but then also going back to those employees, what do they need for, for this to all work? Um, we've talked a lot about the manager and the leader, but the employee is honestly the most important part of all of this. So how, mm-hmm. how do very true. Help them, um, <laughs> help them in this process. And what are they looking for within this um, performance management process? So yes, uh, it, it is absolutely the organization's responsibility to set them up for success. There, there is no doubt about that. So the organization, the managers, the leaders, whoever, um, they have to be willing. And again, every every situation is a little bit different. But what we see, you know, as some standard things for support, is you know that your the company's got to be willing to either bring in outside training if necessary or internal training, or whatever works best for them or whatever resources they have. But definitely, they are going to be pre- need to be prepared to close skills gaps and, and develop each team member. They're, they're, the employees are going to need that to be successful. So that, that's one area of it, is, is being willing to commit and invest in the team and each person. The other thing that the employees are going to need is they, they're going to need that clarity. They need to know what their expectations are. They need to be part of the conversation. So if they're part of that conversation from, from the outstart, then, you know, they're usually bought into everything that's going on and they understand their expectations because they help define them. So they need to be part of the conversation from the beginning all the way through. Mm. Um, And they just need to be given the resources, right? We should be asking the question, what can I do for you to make your job easier, right? So as these checking conversations are occurring or the, you know, you bump into each other in in the, you know, the break room or wherever, you know, just... uh, Checking in is, you know, what what can we do? Is it, are things going okay? You know, what else can I, what else do you need to be successful in the role that you're in, right? And constantly checking because, you know, maybe a few weeks ago they hadn't identified something they need. Now maybe three weeks later something's come up and they're like, yeah, I, I really could use this additional tool or, you know, can we adjust this? 
So, yeah. you know, constantly touching base and making sure you understand, you know, what their resource needs are. They'll, if you engage in that dialogue and they trust you, they will tell you what they need. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And if, and if you are an open, open conversation, um, that's so, so important right now. And you need to have that open conversation and that honesty and the feedback and the, the, even the coaching aspect of it, you need to be able to coach them and listen to them. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> last but not least, I want to ask you, we're talking about this and we know that business coaching is kind of a hot thing right now. Um, but like, why would we actually want to do this? Like what financial benefit would this help, uh, a company or an organization or even a leadership team? Again, another very good question. So, and you know, at the end of the day, we, we definitely want to try and tie everything that's done with, with the workforce back into the, the organizational goals, back into the financials, um, because we can measure this and we can, and that's how we're going to determine what's working and what's not working. So, you know, as we, as we embark on developing a performance management plan, part of that initial due diligence is, is hopefully the company has been tracking and if not, then we have to figure out, you know, go back and do some homework. But, you know, what's, what's that turnover rate been? You know, if you've got a high turnover rate, there's a cost to that, right? Yeah. Uh, have you ever tracked your training, right? Have you ever allocated and said, okay, we're onboarding a new employee, you know, six weeks of training, this is about the cost of the company to do it. Right. So we want to start measuring the impact of training against your organizational goals. Yeah. Um, right. So, yeah, so we, we definitely are, are going to take a lot of those KPIs and they're, they're going to have a financial impact. So we tie them in directly so we can each quarter go back and look and, you know, and then even in real time. I mean, for a lot of the organizations that have built, built dashboards, you know, you're, you're seeing the information in, in a much shorter window of time, um, you know, and you, if you'll know if it's working because you should be getting closer to the, whatever financial goals you've set, whether that's improving your EBITDA, improving your net retained earnings, growing, you know, increasing your top line sales, you know, whatever that is, if, if that correlation and that tie is done correctly, you should start to see those results in the numbers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, that was a good wrap up. Um, Brian, do you have anything else to add to this? I, you've gone through a lot of different, I don't. Well, we, we covered a lot today. <laughs> I know we've kind of flew through it. Do you have any last um, final thoughts on on uh, performance management processes and practices, uh, and what people can do to get better at this? Yeah, I, I mean, I think we covered a lot of good ground today. I think you know, in order to get better at it, the the biggest area that I see is the communication. I think as with anything else, so. It really requires the leadership team and the management team to check their ego at the door, be willing to get feedback that they may not want to hear, but it's what they need to hear and not what they want to hear. And, you know, be willing to put the time and effort into it and, you know, find a way to, to get over the concern of having those tough, tough and honest conversations because at the end of the day, your team deserves to have those. Yeah. So that's the, that's the starting point right there. Awesome. Thank you, Brian. Where can our listeners find you if they're looking to get in touch with you? So our website is scalocityworks.com. So yeah, our company is called Scalocity Works. So we, uh, you can always get to our website. You can email me directly at Brian, B-R-I-A-N, M as in Mary. So Brian M at scalocityworks.com. And of course, I'm uh, pretty visible on LinkedIn as well. So you can always connect with me on LinkedIn. 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Brian, for being on the podcast today. We, uh, I enjoy it. I hope our listeners do as well. <laughs> so do I. I appreciate being on it. Yes, of course. This podcast is proudly produced by Waypoint. What is Waypoint? Well, if you want to coach your team and not manage them, then Waypoint is worth checking out. Head over to waypointhq.com to learn more or email me directly, mike at waypointhq.com, and I'll demo it for you myself. Thanks for listening.